the theme for the morning talk is is there an end to depth it's not unusual for us when we look into our life we are aware of the different levels of our experience and sometimes it, the thought and view will arise within ourselves that our life is rather light or it's uh, shallow or it's uh, superficial or we're running around from one thing to another. Sometimes we're looking at our life and there is a sense and, uh, and of our potential to look deeper, to really look deeper into our experience. And that language of uh, looking deeper uh, into things is a very, very common language. But I have to say, in this uh, area and exploration of looking deeper, we, need, we do really need to be rather specific about what we are referring to. And the reason that I say that is because there are many kinds of expressions of depth. And each one of them, uh, each one of them matters. And we might ask ourselves, is there an end to depth in any of these uh, uh, areas? And who is the judge? Who determines how far or how deep we have gone? And how do we know how far and how deep we have gone? So what I would like to explore a little with you this morning is uh, some of these particular areas, make reference to them, and for us, as we listen and in the context of our daily life, to really give some uh, reflection in to what degree each one of these areas, and there probably are others, uh, which apply to yourself, and to myself obviously as well. And one certainly, one certain and specific area of the exploration of, of depth is around suffering, for sure. And using that word in terms of unresolved issues around anger, unresolved issues around fear, uh, blame, hurt, being misunderstood, um, the crises that have arisen in our life, areas of our life which we genuinely feel are not yet clear, we haven't resolved, they do deserve our attention. And at times we do have to look more deeply into the issues of problematic life. What's going on inside of us? And it's not unusual and it's a very common voice in our uh, circles and the Dharma circles that as we get a little bit more space inside of us, as we begin to, as it were, feel our way into our experience more consciously and carefully, we may get a sense. This, whatever it might be, this is not yet resolved with me. This is just waiting around. This really needs my attention. And one knows it's something unhappy or something uh, problematic uh, uh, in, in some way or other. And we should never, no matter what some voices of authority tell you, never invest everything into the form of sitting meditation as if, in some way or other, that is the key to answering everything. It is simply a misunderstanding and a very 
distorted view about things. So it may well be, sometimes, we censor as issues which are not resolved and not clear with us. And then we have to explore and find the way in what's not resolved and not clear for us to help allow that inner space which we have cultivated, which we have found, to move through so that we, as a sense, go deeper, which means getting closer to that which needs attention. It's a ra- ra- rather a vitally important uh, uh, practice. And sometimes, you know, we can feel the intimations of things. We can get the whisper. There is that which needs some, uh, uh, real, needs some attention. And with the Dharma, it is always with the long view, uh, the long uh, vision of these things. And therefore, for some, it may well be in the flow of things, there may well be periods of time in your uh, life where serious, sustained meditation practice, silence, retreats, the form of retreats, the, uh, uh, the quiet and sustained discipline is the priority. And sometimes it shifts. And sometimes communication is the priority. And sometimes the real shift in our life is around livelihood, the field of action in this world, the engagement with this world. <coughs> Sometimes it's looking at the personality issues and um, tendencies and habits and patterns which have been neglected or ignored or suddenly we realize, wow, this needs some work on. And if there is something of that, and the should we say, the problematic area, the unhappy or the unclear area, it may well be, okay, this, at this period of time, in the long-term vision, is what my practice has to and needs to give attention to. You have to listen very carefully uh, uh, with that, and therefore go rather deeply uh, uh, into that. And so this, so sometimes it does go from the unnameable to the nameable. And the nameable is, say, right, fear is problematic. I, I, I have a lot of difficulties about being misunderstood and it causes me a lot of stress. I hesitate to, to take risks and take steps. What a hundred and one different things. And when it's nameable and one's clear about it, then from the Dharma standpoint, one's practice at that time is to say, right, this I'm going to make more centre stage. This I'm really going to make a priority. And therefore I'm going to go deeply into that which needs and requires our attention. And therefore that's our practice. Because we're interested in, interested in the opening up of consciousness. And in that... Uh, <coughs> exquisite talk from uh, Radha yesterday evening. She gave this gem of a statement. I think it's one of the great, greatest statements ever said on this earth. That from the dialogue of Kasapa uh, with the Buddha, just to give the reminder of it, that when there is a problem and suffering in life, it's very, very easy that the finger the cause either goes, I cause this to myself, one. You might be the past called parents or a, 
painful situation or somebody in the present, you make me like this too, or something, some bits of you, past or present, did this to me, and some bits of me did this, it's both or neither, the fortuitous, the chance, God, the punishment, or whatever. And we want to be able to look and explore with depth, not adopting those views, and just to see what is dependently arising. <coughs> Owing to that, that means these very certain conditions, maybe three or four or five, owing to that, this arises. When that is no longer present, when that is no longer held on to, this, whatever this suffering, this problem is, it does not arise. It's not about self and other or both or neither. It's about what is dependently arising to really look into that, to explore that, and when something changes in what we see, what dependently arises, then that acts as the liberating vehicle. This is to go deeply into suffering. This is to go to deeply into the problematic of life. And you will know something has changed. And so the Buddha says, when, this is no, when that is no longer, that condition, that cause, that whatever, then this cannot arise. And you will know that is no longer having its impact because the issue doesn't arise. That's how you know. And the, the, uh, and that's why the, the, the Buddhist teachings of going deep into the dukkha, the difficulties of life, is to be able to live in this world and to see that which has become. And sometimes, and some people know, through your own experience, that that which was severely problematic <coughs> has, is no longer problematic. Something has changed. Something was, which was present is no longer present. But I would say, this is just one expression of going deep. It's just one expression of it. There's another expression of it as well. Equally important. Equally precious. Not to be neglected or ignored. And it is going deep into happiness. It's going deep into samadhi. It's going deep into a deep meditative awareness. And sometimes the resource is there, the conditions are there, the receptivity uh, is there. It is going deep, it's got nothing to do with the dukkha, nothing to do with the happiness and the conflict and the confusion. And sometimes our depth, and it's been lovely to hear and one-to-ones and in the groups and uh, and precious inquiries that have been taking place over over the days that there is a there that there is a, a depth of interest for some it's a depth of meditation and that reflects that depth shows itself in contentment in the sense of well-being in a natural happiness in which there is no demand upon oneself no demand upon anybody else and because the condition of neediness is not present, because the condition of desire is not present, because the condition of demands upon oneself, past, present or future, are not present, free from all of that, natural happiness will come. 
a sense of uh, silence and stillnesses will come. So when the movement of the uh, controlling influences, wanting, not wanting, liking and disliking, approving and disliking, the pressure of decision-making, we touched upon this yesterday. When, all, when that's lacking, when that's absent, then there's an opportunity to rest. We can go extraordinarily deep into the state of rest. Jaya gives these uh, uh, deep rest retreats. And somebody misheard and thought she was giving depressed retreats. <laughs> so, there is a deep depth to that. And it's a different, it's a depth, no question. And uh, Dharma speaks of, of gross happiness through uh, meditation and sublime happiness through meditation and deep calm abidings through meditation, the touch of the formless realms through uh, meditation, the sense of consciousness through meditation. And it's an uh, extraordinary source. So another kind of depth is the depths of meditation. May each one of us keep exploring. May each one of us have access to those depths of meditation which have no sense, no idea, no thought, no experience of any unhappiness, any suffering or any dukkha in it. They matter to us. And one of the reasons, as the Buddha pointed out, that they matter to us, when we begin to touch on, a, on that a certain joy and contentment in the meditative awareness, that includes the four formal postures, sitting, walking, standing, reclining, but it includes a meditative awareness. It doesn't re require nor depend upon the shape of our body. You know, Buddhists often forget this. See, they're so enraptured with the, uh, the guy behind. And, uh, but it's a meditative awareness. And sometimes in that meditative awareness, with the form, sitting, cross-legged, whatever, walking slowly, or without it, in that more formless uh, realm, there's a great depth to it. And it would be a great pity, I think, a bit of a waste really, of our consciousness to go through life and never to have regular tastes of that kind of depth. And, and, and frankly, how people get through life without meditation, I am not sure. <laughs> I don't think they do. Like how could a person get through life when the, what they rely upon are their tendencies? Meditation and awareness and depth is to interrupt those tendencies, to open up the potential and the possibility. And to me, a life without meditation it just seems to me is to be terribly driven by the tendencies. It's a second kind of depth. There's a third kind of depth. I'm offering four today. Or I say, no hierarchy. <coughs> you know, sometimes we 
take a sideways step for a moment or two. There's a little bit of, there's a hierarchy in the Dharma world. One hierarchy is, there is the mind. This is um, the least important. But to go deeper, one has to go into one's heart. So heart gets a better status than mind in these circles. I mentioned Jack Caulfield a little while ago. He wrote uh, a book, A Path with Heart. Now, the, the, if you write, I don't know if any of you write books, but honestly, if you write a book and you've got the word heart in it, it tends to sell. <laughs> you know, something like A Path with Mind doesn't sound quite so attractive, does it really? <laughs> I said to Jack, I'm thinking of writing a new book. No path, no heart. You didn't get it. Anyway, so sometimes they say, oh, the mind, the mind, the mind. But there's no heart without mind. Never has. Why have we given such a status to the heart as though it's all about the heart? There. You, you can't have a heart without a mind. So this relationship, the word citta, C-I-T-T-A, has no hierarchy in it. Heart and mind of a meeting place. There are some people, some very, very good friends of mine, who are regarded in the Dharma world as being, <coughs> you know, kind of intellectuals. Lawrence, Cantipalo would be one. Uh, Wimelo uh, would be uh, another. Hans Gruber uh, in Germany would be another. I'm, I'm naming people. <laughs> Stephen Batchelor uh, would be, would be a, another, a, another and, I know, and I know them, I know them for years. Their contribution to their analysis, to their writing, to their expression of the Dharma, to incredibly fine, wonderful use of their mind, has been precious for all of us. Nagarjuna is, is the, the high priest of the use of the mind there. I think we, we need to not only go deep into our heart, yes, 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 but also and equally really make use of the invaluable resources of the mind. We need thoughtful, intelligent people who know how to use their mind and articulate the Dharma. We need the intellectuals. They provide an incredibly important uh, service to us. And I think it's a tragedy when people come up and they say, wow, he or she, they're just in their mind. Why not? Who are we to become so arrogant and conceited to think, oh well, I am in my heart. Isn't it obvious? <laughs> we need respect for people and what they have to offer and their skills of heart and mind and, 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 and uh, share that and the people I referred to and many others women and uh, uh, men make an incredibly invaluable contribution one area of the heart to go deep into is love it's not depth of meditation it's not going deep into the suffering and resolving those unresolved areas it's the Brahma Viharas. It's going into a very deep realm, not lightweight, not accessible just through uh, a few nice little feel good 
meta-meditations. Much deeper than that. And to go very deeply uh, into the realm of love. That is of the heart, of course it is. The realm of compassion. To really feel what it is to be human, to be alive, to be vulnerable. And that compassion, and as the Buddha said, of those who are totally realized, the liberated ones, the Arahams, their compassion arises naturally, unstoppably, because of the extraordinary sense of empathy. This is the word he used, Anukampa. That those who have deep realization and have gone deep into their heart have an extraordinary sense of empathy. Everybody know the word empathy? That the sense of uh, recognition of the situation of human beings and what we are in. And the, the deeper we go into the heart, the confirmation of it is the empathy with others, the feeling for others, the poor, the marginalized, the sick, the unwanted, the unhappy. Whether they're rich or middle class or poor, whether they're animals or humans, the sense of empathy grows for those who go deeper into their heart. And, and what's it at the cost of? It's at the cost of narcissism. It's at the cost of thinking only about me and my, me and my. So the deepening of the heart, love, friendship, compassion, gratitude. We were hearing uh, uh, yesterday evening in the uh, inquiry with Oscar of, the, of the, that sense, that precious sense of thankfulness. That you and I have a huge amount to be thankful for. It's a gratitude that, that comes. The deeper we go into the heart, the more this comes. And the steadiness that can come with it as well. Deep into the issues of suffering. We're not avoiding them. We're not denying them. We're going to look at them. We're going to face this inner life and see through it and get the insights and understanding which change the conditions for for any kind of unhappiness. We're going to use each other and give each other support and share our wisdom uh, with each other. We're going to look at the skills of meditation. We're going to use method and technique and practices and forms and structures and retreats and the cave and the jungle and the desert and solitude. We'll use it to go deep into meditation. Because it brings out so much which is very beautiful in the human being. We're going to go deeply into love, into compassion. Really make that a a real priority for the real upliftment of the human being and its capacity for others. And then finally, what's the final depth about? I had a lovely dialogue with Chad the other evening and others. And what is consciousness? What is it to be aware of the shallow and the deep. What is it to be conscious of happiness, contentment and deep meditative states and mystical realms? What is is this consciousness which is revealing love and empathy and compassion and the steadiness and equanimity to be steady in the face of any event? And in that consciousness which is so extraordinary which is the the confirmation of the world that we live in. We also can look into that, go deeply into that. And each one of them is valid. Each one of them 
you and I can know directly, as the Buddha said, Ehi pasiko opanayi ko pachatam vedita bovinhuti. He said many, many times. See through your own experience, with, with, through your own insight, through your own wisdom. We're not speaking about an abstract. We're speaking about the human being and our potential for realizations and discovery. And sometimes the world of the heart is not so important. The world of mind and reflection is not so important. The world of dukkha, unhappiness and problems is not so important. You say, whoa, look, what is this consciousness? What is this consciousness? And in that view, we don't want to be stuck and just hold on to an, a view. Because we see that the problems of life and the tyranny of life and the inflicting of pain on each other and on ourselves can never be independent of the view. Can't be independent of the view. And if we want, we want to look at consciousness, we want to look at the, the, the view. And in holding the view lightly, something is liberating, something is freeing us up as a as a human being. And it can be so free up that our view about birth, aging, pain and death is completely unproblematic. <coughs> that the, the, the discovery of the true nature of consciousness is such that the view that uh, arises that we can acknowledge all of this is going on, it is part of a part of a process which is going on and somehow we no longer feel bound to the process. The liberation of the being and the unfolding process and the language that we use, it just unfolds itself. So if we ask, is there an end to depth? The answer is yes. Ultimately, yes. If we ask the question, is there an end to depth? The answer is no. If there was an end to depth, it would be finite. It would be limited. If the answer was, well, yes and no, then which bit is endless? And which bit of it and finite, and which bit is finite? Where, which bit we say the end to depth, and which bit doesn't have an end to it? Oh dear. And if we say neither, <coughs> we're avoiding the issue. So even the world of self, other, yes, no, both, neither, oh, forget it. Keep exploring. Suffering, deep happiness and contentment, depth of the heart, the exploration of consciousness. May all beings live with awareness.
may all beings see into things. May all beings come across great discoveries. May all beings live a free, compassionate and truly liberated life. Let's have a quiet minute together.